this crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. Hi, my name is Brett Scott. I am the host of several podcasts uh, covering many different subjects, uh, most namely, most notably, probably Marvel Plus, where each week I bring on a guest and break down the Disney Plus Marvel series. Uh, But in addition to that, I've been doing YouTube for years and uh, basically just turned that into a podcast as well, one-man show where I just talk about entertainment and pop culture and things like that. And then I have... uh, I have a couple of duo podcasts that I host with other people. So I have one called Long Lost Brothers, where a friend of mine from across the country, uh, we just we just shoot the shit and we talk about fitness, we talk about our family lives, uh, pop culture. It's just two guys talking for an hour each week, and that's called Long Lost Brothers. And then, uh, lastly, I do a 90s movie podcast which is kind of on hiatus right now with my good friend justin logan where we just break down the movies from our childhood that we loved and hated you know i i mean it probably goes back to childhood just wanting to entertain and be the center of attention and you know be heard uh that more than anything i think probably drove me to want to get in front of a camera or get behind a mic um and it just it just evolved from showing off for my parents and friends, you know, into uh, being the class clown at school. And then everything that I do, I wanted to make it something that I could um, show everyone. So for years, I was really into fitness and bodybuilding. I, a lot of people might probably wouldn't know this, um, but before I did any of this geek stuff, like – uh, talking about, you know, comic books and, and pop culture and movies and all that stuff. Before I did that, my main focus was fitness. And I, at one time, I was a competitive natural bodybuilder. Uh, this, is about, this is about 10 years ago. Um, and my entire purpose in life at the time was to become a natural pro bodybuilder so that's you know there's a separate league for naturals and you know people who use anabolic steroids and there's testing for the for the natural athletes and you know i didn't want to use steroids or anything like that so i was it was in the natural bodybuilding and i just wanted to get as big as i could uh, shredded as i could i wanted to but even in that it was a it was the spectacle of it it was like i'm gonna be up on a stage and i'm gonna present myself to people you know um to try to impress them. And I guess that, that is kind of went into everything that I do. Like I said, from childhood, it was just showing off. It eventually developed into the fitness thing and the bodybuilding thing. And that's what my YouTube channel started out as, as well as I was just talking about fitness, talking about, um, you know, all, all of the knowledge I had acquired of how to be fit. I was sharing that and sharing kind of 
an insight into my life and training and stuff like that. That, that. That's what my YouTube channel started as. And it was only about five years ago that I switched gears and said, you know, there's a lot more to me than working out. Like I have so many interests. Why am I limiting what I do to, to just talking about lifting weights or, you know, eating certain foods or taking supplements? Why would I limit myself like that? And I just had this desire to share more, more of me. And so I just—I think it was sometime after the first Star Wars film, uh, or not the first Star Wars film, but the, the, when they brought out the seven, eight, and nine. So Episode Seven came out, um, and then I think Rogue One came out the next. And after Rogue One, on my channel that was devoted to fitness, I decided I'm going to do a review of. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And so I did that. And I thought that was fun just talking about something else that I was into and not keeping myself in this like niche, you know, uh, branching out like that. And it felt like that is probably more a part of me than the working out. I mean, really, the, the stuff I like, the stuff I'm into, the, the entertainment I enjoy. And so I decided I was going to just make my channel be about whatever I wanted to talk about each day. And so it became about the latest movie I had seen or something that I heard was coming out next year. And I was really excited to talk about, uh, you know, um, and every once in a while there'd be a, a fitness or a motivational video like wedged in there somewhere. For the most part, it became pop culture and entertainment. Just anything I felt like talking personal stories from my uh, questionable youth and uh, a lot of the trouble that I got into. And uh, people seem to really enjoy those personal stories too. And so I'm like, man, I, there, this is limitless. You know, I can literally talk about anything. And while I, I might not have the following of a more niche channel or more niche podcast, um, I do have people who really enjoy what I have to say, no matter what the subject matter is. And so I think I just leaned more and more towards that. Like, and it, it feels even better too. I think when you're not, when people aren't only following you because you like the same thing as them, but because of who you are, you know, your personality. I mean, how, how much better is that recognition than being like, Oh, I like X-Men too, you know? Someone just being like, hey, dude, I w you can talk about anything, and I enjoy listening to it. Like, that's the biggest compliment anyone could give me. So once I realized that there are some people who actually want to listen to me talk, um, I just dove right into it. And then I realized, you know, I don't have to put everything on video. I, and then that is when I decided, I think I'm going to do this podcasting. I know everyone's doing it. You know, if you're my age, I think the first two questions that people ask you are like, how old are you? And then um, what's the name of your podcast? Like that's, that's a general first conversation. And so, yeah, I felt kind of cliche doing it, but I was like, basically I'm already doing it. I'm just doing it on video. You know, I'm doing a personal vlog and it's basically like someone's podcast journal. So <clears throat> I, I started doing podcasting as well, and I just mixed it all together. So what I would do is for my for my non-niche uh, talk about everything podcast, I just ripped the audio from my YouTube 
and moved it over to a podcast as well. So you can either listen to my podcast or you can watch the YouTube channel. You're going to get pretty much the same content. Um, and that, that's called daily BS. Uh, it's trying to be clever with my initials and, you know, so <laughs> that's what I did for that. The Marvel Plus podcast came about when they announced the Disney Plus series. So this was, what, back in maybe 2018, it might have been, at, at a con that they announced there. Maybe it was 2019. Um, they announced those series, and it, I had always wanted to do something but was really intimidated to get into that genre, like straight comic stuff or straight uh, MCU content and just digging into that specific genre because there are so many people who knew, know so much more about the material than I do. So I felt really, really intimidated and really unsure of myself. Like I'm like, yeah, I love the movies. I've seen them over and over, uh, but there's just people who know so much more and they know all the comic book background and they can talk for hours about it. And that's just not me. I, like I am a comic book fan from way back, um, but I didn't read comics for about 20 years. Uh, I don't know anything about current comics. And so I always thought like, there's really not a place for me there. Like there's, there's so many people who have more to say. Uh, but uh, something else about my personality is, is I love to challenge myself, whether it's in fitness, whether it's in um, just doing something I'm afraid to do or think is impossible. I, I take it as a, like a, this personal quest, like I have to do it, you know, and, and no one else is telling me I can't do it or anything. It's just myself going like, this is, this thing seems impossible. And it's like, well, now that you've recognized that, now you kind of have to do it, you kind of have to go after it. And most of the time, what I've realized is it may take me longer to get there, but I end up doing it. I end up doing the thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, I said, like, I wasn't a runner at all. I, you know, I lifted weights regularly, but I didn't run at all. In fact, I despised running. It was like, I, I had a personal vendetta against running. It was the worst. And, you know, I, I started reading this book by this guy named David Goggins, who is just a maniac. He's this ex-Navy SEAL who overcame all these things in his life and uh, started at one at one point just running ultra marathons, which are 100-plus mile races. Uh, and, uh, but his whole book was not really about the fitness aspect. It was about the idea of building mental toughness and, and how if you can do these things that you think are really hard, really impossible things, then you can pretty much deal with everyday life like it's nothing. Um, if you've already ran a hundred miles and, and, you know, dove deep into your psyche and it's telling you to quit and this is stupid and this is the, the dumbest thing anyone could ever do and who would do this? What kind of a crazy person does such a thing? If you can defeat that 
that voice in your head that's telling you to quit something or you're not good enough at something, then you could, I mean, then getting in an argument with your wife is nothing, you know, um, you know, uh, getting a flat tire is a joke. Like it, these, these everyday normal things become really easy to deal with. And so I set off on this mission and I was like, I'm going to start running. I, I hate it. And the, the whole, the whole idea behind his kind of hypothesis was, you know, if you do difficult things, like once you've done something difficult, you've got that stored away. You can always recall on it. You can always look back and be like, well, this is really difficult. I'm in a tough time right now, but I'll tell you what, it, it's actually not as hard as running a hundred miles. It's actually not as hard as, um, doing a thousand pull-ups in a day. It's not, it's not as hard as any of these things. And creating that mental toughness is what the entire journey of it's about. It's not really about completing the race. It's not really about doing the exercise. It's not about doing the workout. It's about overcoming the mental struggle. The thing that's telling you to quit or that you can't, or that you're not good enough. So I just embraced it. I embraced this guy's philosophy. Um, now there are some diehards who follow this guy like religiously. That's not me. Uh, I just took from the book and and from his his philosophy the things that work for me. And uh, I went, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to start running. Uh, I know it's going to be terrible. Uh, I haven't ran a quarter mile in more than a decade, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start doing it. And it was. <laughs> early March, I think, but it was like the coldest early March we had had in, in 20 years. I think it was like negative eight degrees that morning. Um, and I, that was just happened to be the day because I said, tomorrow's the day, you know, you don't, that's another thing about my kind of philosophy and mindset is like, do not put off till tomorrow what you can do today because you will not do it. You won't. Something will always come up. Something will always get in the way. There will always be an excuse. So you do it as soon as possible, always. Like if you're starting a workout regimen, you don't start Monday. You don't start on the first of the month. You don't start at the new year. Start immediately. That's it. I mean, you get up and go. And whether it's a five minute workout or, or a half an hour, it's like you just move your body. You know, you do the thing and you start right away. So I started the next day. It was, the worst. I mean, I shouldn't have been running. It was probably dangerously cold. Like I would frostbite and like my lungs, uh, my lungs were burning. And on top of that, my lungs just weren't prepared for running. I haven't ran in 10 years. So it was the most excruciating thing. And I remember I didn't even make it a quarter of a mile before I had to like stop and walk. And, uh, it just, my, my lungs burned so bad. And I had to like sit down and that was it. That was my entire run, you know, just that less than a quarter of a mile, a couple minutes on my feet and I was wrecked. And, uh, it made me realize too, like, well, there's something wrong with you. If you can't, if you can't do this simple thing, like, how are you going to run if you can't even make it a quarter mile, you know, without gasping for breath? So it became my mission, even though I hated running, to to do something that I hated, to do something difficult, 
basically every day. And for a long time that became running for so long that I ended up enjoying the running. Like it, it completely flipped. Now it still sucks. It, it sucks every time you try to run really hard or run really far. And so that's why I continue to do it on a regular basis. Um, you know, lifting weights is just super fun for me. I would do that anyway. Like, but running, running is a chore. Running is hard. Running is difficult. And so I continue to do it on a regular basis, just, just to have that difficult thing that I overcome every day. Because let's be honest, life in itself is not the things that we think are big deals. It's, it's really not that hard. It's really not that big of a deal. You know, everything's blown out of proportion, but if you do something really hard, and I would, I would say to anybody, you know, like, and this is, this is another part of like, I guess my, my entertaining, my, my drive to do something is like, I like to motivate people. Um, but it's not easy. It's not easy to make people do things, you know? Um, but if you can do so, if you can show them, you know, that, Hey, I couldn't breathe after running a quarter of a mile. And then now I've, I've now run two marathons. And that first run was two years ago. You know, I've since run thousands of miles and two full marathons. And I just, that was never even in the cards for me. That was never even a possibility. for me. So if I can show people that journey a little bit, they can be like, all right, this dude's killing it. This dude's killing it. And he, he was terrible a year ago. So I like, I like sharing my wins to show people that you can win. Like anybody, that anybody can do it because I'm the most, when it really comes down to it, I'm not very athletic. Um, you know, even when it comes to running, I'm a pretty slow runner. Um, my superpower is hard work. And that it's the same with podcasting. It's the same with YouTubing. I push everything to a little bit of an extreme. Um, you know, that's why I don't have one podcast. I have four. Um, you know, that's, that's why I changed the name of my YouTube channel to daily BS and force myself to start recording as much as I could recording daily, daily episodes. Um, it was just to challenge myself and to make sure that I hold myself accountable. But yeah, I, I try to translate, translate that into everything is like, if I don't set something up that makes me want to do it, like if I don't put a goal in place, I probably won't even do it. If it's not something I want to achieve, if it's not like, I fell off of doing YouTube for a long time. It was really sporadic. I put out a couple videos a month and I was just like, you know, this thing's never going to go anywhere if I'm not posting regular stuff. So I was like, you know what, just for, just for a couple months, let's just put out one video per year. doesn't matter what it's about. doesn't matter how good it is. doesn't matter the quality. We would put out some content every single day. And it was more about getting in that habit than, producing, you know, award-winning videos. It was just about doing it, doing the thing. The same thing with fitness and it's the same thing with podcasting. Like I just have to do something every day. You and Chris are very ethnic. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that was something I realized just from listening to Chris and Dave over there on a started out listening to comics in motion and then went to VHS strikes back. And, and I was just like, I think this guy, I think we'd get along, you know, uh, because I, Chris is the same way and like wanting to take things to an extreme, whenever he finds something, he dives in really deep into it. 
And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I noticed that from listening to Dave and Chris's episode. Uh, he, both of them kind of agreed that uh, Dave was the guy who wanted everything to be perfect. He never really gets things started because he wants it, everything to be in perfect in place. And Chris is the guy who's like, just do it. Just do it. Let's just start right now. You know, um, I could see that in me for sure. Like if that was if Dave was my partner, it'd be the same way. I'd be like, Dave, just put this, do the thing, just put the thing out. It's not going to be perfect ever, you know. It, it would just be a it would just be a twenty four seven live stream, you know. Both of us going about our days, but also chit chatting in the process. It's like the Truman Show. It's always on. You just tune in, or whatever. Yeah, I love those guys though. I love both those guys. I think they're great. I think they're great as a as a duo, and I think they're really good at what they do, which is like talking in front of people, you know, as I was saying before, how I I don't really feel like I have, I'm not really talented at anything. I'm just like a person who just does things. I just, I just do it until I'm at least good enough at it. Um, I, I think that one, one thing I naturally comes to me is, is speaking, um, orating so I can do it on video or on podcast and it comes pretty easy and I've only noticed that I'm pretty good at it from talking with so many other people and you you can very quickly tell when they're not comfortable doing it and there are people who will never be comfortable doing it you know um but I feel like that if there's a talent that I have that comes naturally that would be it it would be speaking uh you know when it comes to just having a natural conversation and and you know the rhythm and the timing and the, the those things that i feel like would be really hard to train i feel like those at least the initial parts of it the rest of podcasting i'm not very good at i'm not very good at editing i'm not that great at uh I don't know what else is there in podcasting. I don't have a, a lot of tech. Um, I, I I just bring what I feel I have, which is the ability to speak pretty well and and uh, carry a conversation. So so if I am speaking with someone who maybe isn't that comfortable, we can still have a good conversation. It's an overlooked but you know and really important skill when it comes to hosting something is you know not only that ability to keep them talking but um knowing when to shut the hell up and let them talk too yeah i think first and foremost when it comes to things that aren't this um the non-entertainment side of me and you know what it probably bleeds over a little bit into this too but I'm a father and I'm a husband and that's that's the first thing in life right is raising my kids and trying to be the best husband I can be uh, on a regular basis uh keeping my wife as happy as as I can and um yeah I mean that is most of my life you know it it's it's literally my family and then my pursuits. Now I have a regular day job and, um, I am a, I'm a truck driver and 
I used to, you know, when I started out, I've been driving a truck for about 13 years now. And when I first started out, I was at one of those over the road truck drivers, the ones who are never home, the ones who sleep in their truck and they're gone for a month at a time. I did that for a long time, uh, but I didn't have a family then. Then um, once I started a family, I I tried to bring that back a little bit because I wanted to spend more time with my family and actually see my kids grow up. No one wants to be gone all the time, so uh, I just I just kept plowing ahead in my job and and trying to move into positions where I could be home more. And eventually it got to be where I was home three or four nights a week. And now I'm home every single night, every day. Yeah, every day. In fact, I work at night. So I spend the day with my family. Then I work at night. And the podcasting just works in wherever I can fit it in. So um, it's usually while I'm at work. It's usually when I have a break, when I have some break time, I will – use that time to, to record a podcast or record a video. So, yeah, so that's first and foremost, you know, the, the, the geek stuff, the reading comic books and watching MCU films and, and making podcasts and videos that all gets worked in around, you know, that more important thing, including the fitness aspect of my life. Like you try to put the family first, and I'm not, I've not always been the best at it because I'm a really driven person. So everything that I do, I do it, you know, to an extreme. And I have to catch myself and be like, okay, you're, you're going a little too hard on this part of your life. You know, we need to balance it out with this part of your life. And I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go really hard in one direction. Like if I get really into the podcasting thing, I'll notice like, Oh, you know, you could have, instead of recording that podcast, you probably could have done something extra with the family. And I have to actually, you know, do that. That's part of my, that's part of my personality that I have to keep in check is that I know that I will do almost anything that I do to an extreme. I'll take it too far. And so that's the balancing act is, you know, I love doing these um, kind of, I guess they're kind of their hobbies, kind of entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, but I also love spending time with the family and going camping and, um, you know, what else we go fishing, we go camping, we go to arcades, we go, we keep our kids very busy, very busy. They're always in some sort of extracurricular, um, always taking them to, different things, sports, or, um, my oldest son is learning coding now. Um, and my, you know, I, I also, I'm trying to get them into, into baseball. I'm trying to teach them how to hit, uh, teach them how to throw and catch. And, um, and then my daughter and I will play video games together. Like and she will go to swimming lessons or ballet lessons. Like we like to keep our kids in something, um, you know, for their development, but also for our sanity, you know, just to, if you don't keep your kids busy, they will, they will stay busy. They'll just stay busy, like right, right in front of your face. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, outside of 
that stuff. It's mostly about the family, yeah. Entertaining them. Like as I said, I'm an entertainer in general, so just being just being silly with the kids, trying to make my wife laugh, but she doesn't think I'm very funny. So you know, I used to feel bad about that. Like my wife's not interested in, at all in the um other stuff that I'm interested in, right? Like she's not into um she's not into comic books, she's not into comic book films she's not into sci-fi really um and you know it, it's uh and she just doesn't she doesn't get she doesn't get podcasting at all she's like why would anyone listen to anyone talk that sounds like the most boring thing in the world i'm like yeah you're probably right but for some reason people do <laughs> you know they a lot of people do it's a huge industry uh, she's like i just don't get it i don't understand it like she's the type who will watch a youtube video and she's always got it on like the max fast forward so that the people are talking really fast just to get it over with like yeah no patience um so it's it's kind of i, I heard uh i heard kevin smith talking about his how his wife does not find him entertaining at all anymore she she's over it you know she's like she's not a big kevin smith fan that's kind of like my wife when it comes to my uh podcasting and youtubing like she has no interest in it she i don't think she ever really listens to the podcast or anything she's like i don't i don't care she's like do your thing enjoy it have fun i'm glad you have something that you enjoy doing um but you know i don't need to listen to it it's fine and you know what? It also helps with that balance I was talking about because because she's not also enthralled by these same things that I am. She can remind me like, you know, you're spending a lot of time doing this thing. You know, why don't we try this thing? Or, you know, with fitness or whatever it is, whatever I'm taking to an extreme, she's not the type to take a thing to an extreme like that. So she can reel me back a lot easier than I can recognize myself, you know, taking something too far. But that is that is one of the caveats of like being really driven and a person who kind of lives to accomplish goals is that when you're pursuing a goal, a lot of times you lose sight of anything else. And so it's good. She's a she's a good balance, you know, for me, especially since we don't share the same interests in terms of like entertainment and stuff. Um. I think she's able to recognize it more than I am because she's not she's not biased along with me and like also loving everything that I do. You know? She's like, wait a minute. I thought you were recorded on Fridays. What are you doing? I said, it's a different podcast. It's on the schedule. I wrote it on the calendar. And I, that's one of the things that makes me keep myself in check or let my wife keep me in check is that um, – I know that I'm the type of person who would definitely regret at the end of my life not spending the time with the family, not doing this. Now, there are people who who just don't. There are. There are these really driven folks who pursue a career and for some reason they have a family even though they didn't really want one, you know, and then they end up not really being in their kids' lives that much, you know, not having a relationship with, with their family that much. And uh but luckily, I feel like I kind of have the foresight to go, you know, I'm going to regret, you know, choosing this thing over this activity with the kids. Yeah, you've been to uh, 
the I don't know, you've been to the swimming pool or the arcade with the kids a million times. And and it seems like, well, I don't really have to go this time, do I? You know, I, I've been a million times. I don't have to go every time. Um, but then it's like, what am I going to look back and regret at the end of my life? Am I going to regret not spending an extra hour with my kids? Or am I going to regret not recording that podcast about um, – you know, the latest episode of the Marvel plus Disney series, like which thing is going to be more important when I'm reaching the end of my life or when my kids are grown and I look back, it's definitely always going to be that the time with the family is more time well spent. No matter how much I love doing the other stuff, it's not going to matter to me in the same way as the time, the time with the kids or the time with the family. Yeah, I did wonder if you were a truck driver because a couple of times looking at your video thinking, is he in a truck? Yeah, and that's, that's another thing that people are – I get an odd satisfaction out of people going, how do you do it? You know, like I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm a borderline narcissist. Maybe I'm uh, just egotistical maybe. Um, but I derive a certain satisfaction out of someone going like, how do you get that much accomplished? But I think the satisfaction really is is that that I can turn around and go, you know, you actually could do the things too. Like, you know, when you break it down into time management and like, uh, yes, I can spend hours every day doing fun things with my family and I can work a full-time job and I can fit in four podcasts and a YouTube channel. And, you know, it seemed – oh, and I just ran a marathon yesterday. Like, they're like, this is – I mean, this is like, ugh. I mean, I would puke if I saw me. You know, I'd be like, just that's enough. That is enough. You're making everyone look ridiculous. You know, um, but I, I get something out of that. Like, you know, just being a regular guy that can do these things and being able to, if someone really wanted to, they could come to me and go, dude, how do you do that? And I could, I could tell them exactly how, and they could probably do it too if they wanted. You know, it's not that I'm doing something really extraordinary. You know, it's about, it really comes down to time management and how much do you want to do the things. Man, I, I really am just making myself look like a complete sociopath on here. I'm just the, the ultimate narcissist. Ugh. Goodness. It's just about whatever priorities you have. And if you don't have the same as mine, I'm, I'm not judgmental either at all. You know, in fact, I would rather you, I would rather show you, hey, I can do all these things that I'm interested in. And still maintain a family life and a fitness level and, and all these things. Um, I, I would much rather someone not follow in, in my footsteps, but translate that into them pursuing the things they want to do. So like, you know, maybe they're not into fitness at all. That's fine. I mean, I generally try to be healthy, but you don't have to run marathons. You don't have to lift weights every day. Like, you know, it's more what I'm trying to show people is that like, there's no ex there's no excuse to not do the things you want to do you know and at this day and age there's no excuse left it's far too easy there's far too much technology everyone has the opportunity to put themselves out there or pursue whatever you know starting a business is not what it was 30 years ago 
You know, you don't have to buy a brick and mortar store or rent a brick and mortar store and and uh, have a lot of overhead and 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 uh, you know uh, build up an inventory to start a business anymore. I mean, you can literally make things as you go and sell stuff online. Like there is no re- if you want to start a a business where you're making crafts or you know I don't know interesting stationery or art or music, whatever it is that, that you're passionate about, I get that there were barriers in place 30 years ago, but they're just not there anymore. I mean, in terms of the ability to reach people. So yeah, I think that's what I want more than anything when I'm talking about like, I love to motivate people. It's more about like, I want them to see that things are possible. It's not so much look at me and do what I do. It's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm out here telling you, like, I love doing this thing or that thing. And so I'm doing it. And if someone could translate that into their lives, that would be the thing that would make me most happy and saying like, Oh, you know, I, I helped that person to realize their own potential or their own, um, interests even because some people don't even think about their interests. Like I, they, they just, they just go to work and come home and watch a little TV and go to bed and do it all over again. And, uh, but deep down, I think a lot of people have something they've always wanted to do or something they've, um, really love to pursue some hobby. They, 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 they want to, um, they want to do woodworking or they, they want to make clay pots or whatever it is like, but they're, they just don't even gesture towards it because they, they get set in their daily life. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, on top of the entertaining thing. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess if there's anything, even a little bit altruistic about the stuff that I do, it's just that I feel like I can set an example for people to pursue whatever it is they want to do. For sure, there's a side of me that just loves content. Like I love to be entertained. I love and and every aspect of it too. I love podcasts, I love movies, I love TV, I love comic books, I love novels, I love like anything where I can take something in and it takes me on a journey. I love it. I love storytelling. And you know, deep down I would I would say that's probably if if you want to boil it down to what is it that I do or what is it that I am? I feel like I'm probably I've narrowed it down to I'm probably just a storyteller. You know, I just do it in different ways, but that's what I'm doing every time I put on the mic or or fire up the camera. I'm telling stories. Some of them are true, like life stories. Some of them are uh, where we talk about other people's stories and and things like that. But generally, what I'm doing is telling stories. Um, uh, I was thinking about. Where did I first notice that I was into kind of geeky stuff, stuff that it didn't seem like the other kids, for the most part, were into around me? And I think it was probably – and you notice these things because you find yourself reluctant to share with others what it is you're into. So 
I think the first thing I ran into like that as a kid was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I think. I would have been in um, third grade, okay, when that show came out. And I loved it. It was this fantastic team of superheroes. I mean, in essence, that's what it was. They're superheroes. And they were endowed with powers, you know, from another planet. And uh, I think that was the first thing that I really just dove all in on, became obsessed with that was not cool. I mean, even in third grade, and maybe the other kids were watching it as well. I mean, it was a hit show. Some kids were watching it, um, but no one admitted to it, you know, and that was the first time I realized that there were things that a person could like and other people would shame them for or make fun of them for just for liking a thing, you know, just for being entertained by a certain thing. Um, And very soon thereafter, the the power the love for the power rangers became a love for x-men the animated series and i'm guessing just because they were both on fox um it just it was happenstance but that was the evolution of it you know i kind of grew uh i grew a little out of power rangers by fourth fourth and fifth grade and but then i was like but this is still kind of cool like this is still you know, I'm watching young adults now. Like, it's not, I don't know. It wasn't as silly, as weird as that sounds. It wasn't as silly to watch this band of superheroes, you know. And uh, then I realized that there were comic books that told the same t- type of stories about the same group of characters that I loved. And I'll, yeah, I'll never forget that, and, and I'll never forget the day that I realized comic books were a thing. And so I, I watched X-Men the Animated Series before I realized I, – I guess I knew of comic books, but I had never even imagined purchasing one. You know, And I was at a grocery store. This was back in the days when there were comic book spinner racks at the end of the aisles at the, the grocery store. You know? which I don't feel like is a thing anywhere now. Is that, is that even a thing? Um, but I, I, yeah, I remember for the first time noticing that spinner rack and going, ah, oh, that's, that's the, that's, that's the thing I watch on TV. That's the thing I love. It's the same stuff. So you're telling me I can get more stories about these characters that aren't on this show. So yeah. I, I, and from then on, for the next few years anyway, I started collecting comic books and it, it started with X-Men and Wolverine and then it evolved into like Spawn and um, all these very 90s things. And, uh, you know, then like for Christmas, all I wanted was more comic books. You know, I my, my parents ended up, I'll never forget the first time they bought me, it was a, a short box and they bought it from a friend of theirs who collected comics and he had decided he's going to give up his comic book collecting and, and, and get rid of some of his books. And they bought this box of random comic books. And to this day, some of those comic books that were in that short box are my favorite of all time. 
you know, and they were just random books, most of them of that era. There wasn't a lot of classic stuff or anything like that. It was like, uh, but I mean, the end all be all for me was the Age of Apocalypse, the X-Men storyline. Um, and every issue of the Age of Apocalypse event was in this short box. And and I never even realized, this is when I first realized what comics could do. They couldn't just tell the story of the, of the people I knew from the TV. They could tell these crazy alternate universe adventures, you know, where it's like, these aren't even the same characters anymore because this is an alternate reality. And that probably... That probably evolved my geekdom even more because then it was like, oh, I like science fiction. Like I like um, strange new worlds, you know. Um, I, I like everything. Like it just it it just kept going. Then it was like Back to the Future and just discovering like Star Wars and and. Uh, Everything geek, but it all started, like I said, probably with Power Rangers and then X-Men, the animated series. That jumped it all off. Now, the fitness aspect was just a byproduct of during this entire time that I was into all these things. I was an overweight kid my entire childhood, all the way up until I was about 17 or 18. Uh, is when I just decided, like, this isn't, I don't want to be overweight anymore. I don't want, you know, I had my, my whole childhood, you know, I'd been picked on and teased for being overweight and uh, probably helped to develop my sense of humor and maybe my ability to speak well, you know, but it, it's, you know, as helpful as it was in, in developing my character, uh, it didn't feel very good. And I always wanted to be able to do athletic things too, but I just wasn't very good at them because of carrying the extra weight around. And I just finally got to a point where I actually did it after telling myself year after year, like, Oh, you should, you should lose the weight. You should get in shape. You know, this is what you want. And eventually just did. Uh, eventually, it, there, something happened um, that set it in motion, I'm sure. Uh, but it was time to actually do it. And when I did it, I, I, I did it fairly quickly and through really intense hard work. And this may have kick-started my, my kind of I don't know. I would almost call it a mental disorder now where I have to do everything really hard and really extreme. Um, but knowing that that's what it took to lose the weight was going all in, you know, being, you know, strict about my diet, working out really hard every day and, you know, having it suck really bad. Um, but at the end of the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, I had lost about 80 to 90 pounds. And uh, it just, it changed everything. I mean, it changed the way people 
approached me. It changed the way that people, you know, it changed the way that um, I interacted with women. It changed the way that it, it just changed everything. Right. And that was probably about the time that I fell out of the geek stuff. Right. When I started to develop more of this social life and um, be more interested in uh, what I, the, my pursuits there, what I could accomplish over there in, in uh, interpersonal relationships. So for a long time, I fell out of love with, you know, comic books and um, geek stuff and really went all in on like the fitness because that's what got me this newfound, you know, love and appreciation from strangers. And, you know, it, it made it easier for me to talk to people and, um, you know, it, it, it did a lot of positive things for how I interacted with the world. Um, and I, I was so busy doing that, that I didn't really need to kill time with, um, you know, reading comic books or, or, you know, I, I would say throughout the whole thing, I'm watching, you know, the latest science fiction films and things like that. Like that never went away. But the idea of collecting comic books was the last thing on my mind. Um, I also, uh, I also lost my comic book collection. Uh, I had, I had amassed about probably a collection of about a thousand books by my sophomore year in high school. So from fifth grade to ninth or 10th grade, I had amassed probably about a thousand comic books over time. Um, and, you know, you know, I hate to jump around here, but this is just, this is the way my mind works. Okay. So, um, you know, another one of the things that, that was so appealing to me about comic books and, and, and uh, all these movies and, and TV series with fantastic worlds and things is that it was an escape. And I didn't have uh, the most uh, well-rounded, healthy childhood. I was surrounded by a lot of negative things. I had um, parents who uh, went further and further into drug addiction over the course of my life. So when I was young, it wasn't really present so much. But as I got older and as they got older, their addiction developed even further. My life got worse in the process. Um, so being able to escape into this fantastic world of comic books and, and movies and um, yeah, I mean, it was probably the appeal of it was probably the escape, the escapism, you know, at first. And then when, when I was no longer confined to that childhood anymore. I was now a young adult. I didn't, I didn't need that as much. And, you know, I was also, Hey, I I've lost, you know, considerable amount of weight, I'm getting attention from the opposite sex. Now, like I'm not, my life was way different and, uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed that, but also contributing to my kind of falling out of love with comic books especially was that when I was about 14 or 15 uh, my parents fell into foreclosure with the bank and we lost our house and in that foreclosure and in the chaos of it all 
uh, our house basically was abandoned with everything inside, um, including every one of my comic books. So it, I just lost interest. Like when it, it was a blow, you know, I mean, it was like, I loved all these comic books and I had collected so many and, uh, you know, then they were just gone like that. And I just couldn't, I couldn't see starting another collection when it can just disappear like that. You know what I mean? Um, and so that was probably the beginning of falling out of love with it. But then, yeah, when I became more social um, and, and more accepted by my peers and things, I also, I, you know, it just perpetuated that. Like, oh, I don't no, I'm not into comic books anymore. Um, and I think it was just in the past six or seven years. Uh, I, you know, earlier I talked about how my first foray into talking about geek stuff was that Star Wars review after I had seen the movie. After I'd seen Rogue One, I did that review um, around that same time. And I'm not sure exactly what sparked it. It may have just been that, starting to talk about it again. Um, but starting to embrace that side of me and, and to not be, you know, it became way more socially acceptable to be into Star Wars and, and, and comic books and, and the MCU and stuff like that. Um, but as soon as I started to embrace it, it was like the floodgates opened. Like I was back in. I was, you know, chest deep in this stuff. I was excited about it again. And so I went from reviewing that Star from being in Star Wars, you know, which I always had been, but like the Star Wars movies were back now, you know, it was like something to get excited about. And, and, um, from there, I think it just became, I don't know. I, I, I watched like, I was really into, um, the Arrowverse shows on CW, um, when they first started and it reminded me how much I loved reading comic books when I was watching those shows and watching these MCU films. I'm like, you know, I, as much as I love these films, like this, this love of mine started with comic books. And I was at the library with my kids one day picking out books because they have to read so many books for school and things like that doing these reading challenges and uh i don't know it just dawned on me that like hey libraries have a comic you know a graphic novel section a trade paperback section and so i went over and i started trying to find stuff i had read when i was a kid and i found the age of apocalypse collected in a trade paperback and i was like oh man this is this is that story. You know, this is what I love so much when I was 13 years old and I checked it out. I was like, I'm going to read, I'm going to read a comic book for the first time in 20 years. I'm going to read a comic book and I got it and I read through it and I'm like, Oh, I love it. Like, I love it again. And just like, like I said, it was like, it was like all at once, this floodgate of like, Hey, embrace your interests like you love this stuff you love this stuff just dive in and it was like a week later i was going to um 
comic book dealers to to pick through their bins to see if I could find more of that stuff for my child, you know, kind of recreate that magic from when I was a kid. And, and, um, I did, I've, I've rebuilt a good portion of the collection, like not the thousand comic books, but at least of that short box <laughs> that I loved so much. Uh, I don't think my wife would appreciate, uh, me now bringing a thousand comic books into the house at random. Um, but she does like to joke, though, that I tricked her when we got married because we got married and I'm this guy who's really into fitness and I'm really into bodybuilding and there wasn't a comic book in sight. And then, you know, uh, five years in, I come home with like a stack of comic books. She's like, well, who are you? You know, I'm like, well, this is who I've always been, um, you know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting now. It's like, yeah, she jokes all the time how I how I like totally pulled one over on her she's like you're like this is a completely different thing i'm like yeah but i still like the fitness stuff too you know so that stuck around you know that drive to to want to do physical things um but also i just re-embraced my childhood is basically what happened do you reckon maybe you're with the connection with the foreclosure and everything that was going on with your parents do you think maybe you almost had a subconscious barrier of this area is pain, don't go there. And then it, it took a long time for you to work through it, break it down, and then suddenly realize that actually beyond it wasn't pain, it was joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very possible that, that, that I equated the two, you know. I, you know, my childhood was painful, and I just, I lumped it all together, right? That's very possible. Um, and, you know, it, it might not be that that they were so separate. You know, it's almost like it, it was just the journey. You know, I found the joy through the pain, right? I had to go through the pain to embrace this silly stuff, you know, like comic books and, and you know, science fiction films. Like I, I had to want to escape to discover that I love that stuff you know, to find joy when there wasn't a whole lot of joy going on around me, I could find it in this place. But yeah, it's very possible that, that I was just subconsciously keeping it all together in one box of like, this is your child. There's no need to revisit this, you know? Um, but yeah, as you, as you age, as you mature, as you have kids of your own and you get to see their interests, um, you know, it, it kind of sparks it and you, again, like you start to think about what you were in, into when you were a kid, you know, you see your kids into something, you're like, well, back in my day, we were into, you know, we read paper comic books. Like that's what we did. Um, but yeah, just probably, it, it probably, it may have been kickstarted by that as well. Just my kids coming into an age where they're developing their own interests. And just be me being reminded of like, hey, you you know, you were always kind of into this thing. Why did you ever leave it? Why did you ever stop being into those things? And then I just came to the realization you never really stopped. You just stopped collecting comic books because you're still seeing every Marvel and DC film. You're still um watching The Flash and you know, uh, Arrow on the CW. Like the only aspect that really isn't there was the talking about it and the comic book aspect of it so that's that's basically what i've re-embraced again is comic book reading and now just being i mean it, it, 
it's easy to do now. So it's not like a big accomplishment to be out there as a geek anymore. Um, and I know you're, you know, the premise of your show kind of is that, you know, like, you know, it's geek culture has become pop culture and, um, you know, it's not so weird to be into this stuff anymore. Now it's commonplace. And I think, yeah, so it's not saying much to say like, oh, now I'm out there and I'm, you know, uh, proud of, of being into this stuff. But, um, I don't know. It, I'm that way with everything that I do, you know, everything that I do, I want to somehow turn into this, um, entertaining aspect of me or this, you know, how can I translate this into something creative that I can present, you know? And so that's how I started doing the Marvel plus podcast and the, you know, the the nineties movie podcast, like these things were just like, you know, what are, how can I turn my interests into entertainment for others? Obviously in your day job, it's, it is an environment that's, it's changing a bit, but is mostly men of a certain stereotype themselves, especially as you've been doing this for 13 years and in the last five or six, you've suddenly become comic book man. Has, has there been a reaction from people that you know about what, what do you mean you're into this sort of stuff? Um, you know, not so much in that aspect. It's actually, there's probably more of a reaction to be being into fitness as a truck driver. Oh yeah. Um, you know, because there is a stereotype to truck drivers, you know, you, you, when you hear that someone is a truck driver or you hear, like, if you never met someone and they're like, oh, my dad's a truck driver, it kind of naturally brings to mind this kind of overweight, inactive, you know, maybe smokes a couple packs of Marlboros a day, um, you know, wears a trucker hat, maybe some boots, um, it does bring up a stereotype, at least here in the States, that is, that is a truck driver, you know? Um, and I think, so that surprises people even more when I'm, when I'm running marathons and also a truck driver is way more surprising to them than, than I think the geek stuff, because as we've talked about already, geek culture is pop culture. Now it's not that strange. In fact, um, I don't talk a lot with people at work. It's pretty much a, a solo job. But when I do go into the office and make any kind of chit chat, it's it's always over like whatever current movie is in the box office. You know, it's like, oh, have you uh, have you seen the new Star Wars or are you, are you watching The Mandalorian? You know, and that's the conversation. Like, yeah, and and everyone is everyone is watching The Mandalorian. You know, so um, you know I, I'll. A large portion of the population is watching uh, WandaVision or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And so, yeah, I think because that that geek culture has become so much part of the landscape, part of mainstream culture, that's a less of a blow than the, than the fact that I'm really into fitness and also, uh, you know, a uh, lazy, overweight truck driver like uh, – I went to I actually went recently to have a sleep study done uh, to to test for sleep apnea, which is super common for truck drivers. But the reason it's super common for truck drivers is because they, um, by and large, are overweight and they will have problems with sleep apnea. 
because of their weight. Like if they brought their weight down, they probably wouldn't have a sleep apnea issue. And so even even when I went to get a sleep apnea test, the people at the testing facility were like, I'm confused here. They're like, what could, you seem like you're in really good shape. Um, are you sure you're a truck driver? Like, you know, are you are you sure you're having sleep issues? Because this doesn't make any sense. Like, even the doctors are so used to seeing the the out of shape truck driver that you know it even surprises them that you can be in decent shape. You know, and and I'm not in the shape I was when I was bodybuilding. I'm really average looking. You know, even that to them is like, huh, this is strange. It's strange that this average sized man. Is may have trouble with sleep apnea, so yeah, yeah, that's definitely definitely more more attention from the fitness stuff than the than the geek stuff. God love her. Like my my wife gives me more shit for being a geek than anyone else in the world. Like, and now I've got to tell her, you know, I have to remind her now. Like, I'm not the weirdo anymore. You are. You're the one that's not into this stuff. Everyone else is. You know, um, but I will say that, that that she went and saw Black Widow and she can't stand like she thinks that the superhero films are just she's like, it's such a formula. It's so repetitive. It, they're all the same movie. And and um, like, oh, man, but there's such good writing going on here. And there's so much good storytelling and world building. And she just doesn't get it. She's like, she's like, it's the same movie over and over. Um, but she did go see Black Widow and really enjoy it. So I'm like, ah. I might have an in, like I might slowly start, you know, I think this next phase of Marvel is going to be like very female driven. So maybe just maybe we could sneak a few films in a man can dream. What would your message be to your kids about the era in which they live and the interest they have? I think I would tell them that, uh, you know, everything I tell them makes me sound like an old man because it always sounds like a back in my day type of story. But if I can press anything upon them, it would be to appreciate that you have the world at your fingertips, that it, it, it wasn't this way even 20 years ago. You know, you can – parents used to tell their kids you can do anything you want. You could be anything you want. It's never been more true than it is right now. There's access to education. There's access to technology, and there's access to people. You know, you can speak with a celebrity directly online now. You can speak with a state senator or the president of the United States on Twitter. And we've we've never been more lucky in terms of access and ability um, as we are right now. And so I would say that nothing uh, if 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 the current state of geek culture slash pop culture is any indication, it's that don't take any of your interests for granted. Right. No matter how silly, no matter how niche, no matter how outlandish the things you're into might be, 
you might be able to turn that into a career for yourself. You might be able to do what you love and make a living doing it. And the opportunity is there for you more than it's ever been for any generation previous. So I would say just embrace it. Whatever, whatever is, whatever you think is geeky or embarrassing, or you know you think is a, a silly thing that you like or that you're into, um, just embrace it. Because if the current state of society is any indication, it's that it doesn't. You can never predict what's going to happen. You know, you can never predict it. So you might as well embrace something that you really love. And who knows, maybe you can someday turn that into how you provide for yourself and your family, you know, doing the thing that you love every day. And just embrace whatever, you know, embrace you. I guess that's the ultimate thing is like, damn the torpedoes, you know, full speed ahead. Just do it. Just do the thing, whatever it is you're into. No excuses anymore. Don't take this for granted. I know it seems like the world's always been this way to you, but it hasn't. And you're, you have a rare opportunity to do whatever you want. You can hear more from Brett on his podcast, Marvel Plus. He also has a YouTube channel, Daily BS, which collects all his content. You can contact him on Twitter at RealBrettScott. Contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantastic universes.